Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 375. I'm your host, Blaine Pudvay, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Smith. Good evening. And Treg Wilson. What's up? So uh, we had a bit of a, a, a layoff. It's been a couple of weeks. Uh, Pre-season layoff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we it couldn't be helped with uh, Treg doing his shows and... Matt and I traveling all over for work. Um, just couldn't get us together for a show. So, but uh, here we are now. Good to be back. Good to have everybody back. Yes. And uh, Treg, you look like you're uh, you're a little bit weighed down there around the neck. Is that a couple of gold medals you got there? I did get a couple of gold medals. <laughs> I didn't think we could talk about that. But yeah, I won a... Uh... The Nova Scotia Open, I won first in my class, and I won uh, first in men's masters, and I was second overall for men's physique. Was the uh, was the prize a razor so you can get rid of that pedo stash? No, I just got this. This is uh, if anyone follows bodybuilding, go look up Seabum, who's Mister Olympia for classic bodybuilding, and I'm going with the Seabum stash for the Flex Lewis this weekend, a Flex Lewis Canadian classic. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Let's see how it goes. Is the competition held at a school? Technically, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, it's at the Riverview. It's in Riverview, and it's at the Riverview, whatever the theater is called. I forget now. But uh, I grew up twenty minutes from Riverview, so maybe I'll tell my mom to come down and like cheer you on or something. So it uh, <laughs> apparently they're uh, um. Jesus, I'm so sorry. I've been on three weeks of prep at a huge calorie deficit in my mind. Um, I forget the name of the venue anyway. It's a school in Riverview, and they have a big theater, like with seats and all that in it. It's like the Spats Theater at, at uh, Citadel High here in Halifax, yeah. which was my last show. So you're probably just so going yes, to River, you're probably just going to Riverview High. <laughs> sure, probably. sure, whatever you say, Matt. You know more than I do, so. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell my mom to come down and take pictures and cheer you on and everything. Riverview Art Center, it's called. Okay. Which is 400 White Pine Road in Riverview. Okay. So if anyone wants to go and cheer Treg on or uh, protest his his involvement with, a, with his mustache, uh, that's where you go. Yeah. Or if you want to sit at home and watch it for 30 bucks, you can watch the pay-per-view. Okay. I wouldn't spend my money on it, but I'm just saying if you want to. If you if I wanted to see you shirtless, I would just go onto your social media. Just go on to uh, Instagram. So you do. <laughs> oh god. All right. So without further ado, uh the season's about to begin. As we record, it is uh Tuesday the tenth. Uh the NHL has opened. 
I was just watching Nashville and Tampa Bay. It was one, one when I came down to record. So yeah, the season's begun. The Canadians play tomorrow against the Leafs um, and they've released the roster. So we'll talk a little bit about the roster. We'll talk about everything, all the, the drama around that. Um, what we think will be a good, uh, successful season. We'll talk about players who should have made it, could make it, shouldn't have made it, did make it, and uh, call-ups and whatnot. So why don't we just start it off with the roster? Um, <clears throat> well, we can go line by line. We'll start with the starting five. Um, according to the Canadians' latest post for their line rushes anyway, Caulfield, Suzuki, and Anderson are the forward line. And Matheson and Savard are the defensive line with Allen starting in net against the Leafs. So let's start with that top line, Caulfield, Suzuki, Anderson. I've been hearing a lot of people upset about Anderson being placed there, but there is a good reason. Uh, Treg, you were talking about it before the show. He plays well against Toronto. Like uh, every game you we play against Toronto, whether it be preseason or regular season, he seems to get a goal or two, and he plays hard and goes hard. Uh, I agree. I don't care for Anderson to be on that line permanently because I don't think he works very well with Caulfield and Suzuki. Uh, but against Toronto, the more ice time you can give Anderson, I think the better because he seems to be a – a Toronto killer. He seems to always play well against Toronto. So that's that's why he's there. Um, I think we can put to bed the fact that I don't see Kirby Doc playing with them this season. Um, unless they really need offense and the game's getting late or something, they might throw them together at the end of a game. But I don't see um, – I think Doc has that permanent second-line center uh, gig from now on. But you, Matt, what did you see out of that that line? I would agree with the with uh, Treg's statement that uh, Anderson is Leaf killer. He really is. He's he's one of their better players uh, when they play the Maple Leafs some, for some reason. But when I'm looking at the preseason, I thought that Anderson was one of their best players. He was consistent. He was he was uh, he was giving it his all really. And I don't think that uh, I like. I, I don't disagree that they started him there and it might not just be for one game. Who knows? They did try um, multiple people during the preseason. They tried Newhook, they tried Monahan, Harvey Pinard, Anderson, et cetera. Um, I'm going to say it's the first game of the season. Let's see how it goes. There's going to be some shuffling in there. What I would like to see is some consistency in lines this year. Um, yeah. But I, I do agree with Treg that I think it kind of puts to bed um the whole doc situation, unless it's maybe towards the end of a game or something, and they just need to um, throw a bunch of offense on the line. We know that they, they play well together, but I think it's, um, I think it's St. Louis plan and the Canadians plan to have doc center his own line, whether, whether that's going to be um, with another center on a wing. Well, yes, we'll see. But um, as of right now, You've got Suzuki, who's one of the most consistent players that the Canadians have. Caulfield just signed a um, a big extension. He's going to be looking for um, the next step in his career. He's on a 46-goal pace last year prior to his shoulder injury. And um, talking about the defensive pair, I don't think there's any surprise there with Matheson Savard. Matheson was on a 61-point pace before uh, or when he came back from his injury. And Savard is, you know, 
kind of that uh, stay-at-home defenseman that every team looks for. So he might be playing out of position, obviously being a top-line guy with the Canadians, but he's as of right now, he's their best option to play on the right side. Well, I think Savard. Oh, sorry, Blaine, go ahead. No, I was I was going to go on to Anderson. Um, over the last few days, St. Louis has been talking to the press. He's been on not Shalom. He's had press conferences, and he has continuously brought Anderson up, mentioning how he is starting to understand how to use his speed. I mean, he's always been big, fast, no problems there, but now he's learning how to apply his speed in situational ways when so that could work better yeah. yeah and it could work better with suzuki and caulfield if that's what he's doing instead of just speeding up and down the right side of the ice you know between the goal post and the boards maybe he kind of weaves in it out a little bit and he can use that speed we'll see on that um caulfield suzuki i mean that i think they're going to go with duos I think that's what's going to happen. We're going to see duos. We're going to see Caulfield Suzuki, Doc Newhook, Monahan, and I don't know. Well, right now they're going with Pearson, but Monahan and whoever. Uh, fourth line is just a rotation of whatever's there. I think you're going to see, besides Suzuki, Caulfield, Newhook, Doc, I think you're going to see a rotation of everybody else uh, kind of playing up in the yeah. The top six. You'll see if Slavkowski goes up there with Doc and he plays well, he'll stay. Um, maybe he'll move up with Suzuki and Caulfield for a game or two. I think you'll see uh, Monahan play up on the wing, I think, maybe uh, with either the first or second line, Harvey Pennard. I wouldn't actually mind seeing Jesse Yolen and get his chance in the top six. He has a hell of a shot on him. Yeah. Uh, he's, a, he's a good heads-up player. I didn't think he had a great preseason. Um but then again, besides Suzuki, Caulfield, and Anderson, and Slavkowski, I didn't think anyone really had a great preseason. So, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of people that uh, we have to look at this year that I think will be fighting for a job next year, like Jake Evans, uh, Yelonen, um, Tanner Pearson, um, guys like that, Denny, uh, David Savard. I was just going to say earlier about Savard. Savard right now is the only option as the top right-handed defenseman until someone can step up and take that spot away from him. Uh, right now, it's really just Kovacevic because he's – I don't see Barron taking that huge step. Uh, Kovacevic is consistent enough that maybe he could – you could see him move up there with Matheson. But I think Savard basically is there, and Matt kind of hinted on it. This allows Matheson's offense just to go. Like so, it's like a a poor man's Subban Markov, uh, and I say poor man because Savard is nowhere near a Markov. Um, you know, like Matheson can go do his thing, and you have this steady stay-at-home guy is going to be like, I'm not pinching in. You know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going anywhere near that. Although he did a few times in the preseason, um, so that's how I think that's going to work, um, and. I would be shocked as a far it's gone by the trade deadline to be or or an off-season move like they did with Joel Joel Edmondson. Um and you'll see him go on to a team before his contract's over. Um just so you can get Mayu and because I think Mayu and Reinbacher by the end of the year will be up with the team regardless. 
Yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'd like to stay with the forward lines here. Uh, I, I agree. Like some of these guys, I do. I don't see several of them with the team next year. Like Pearson, Monahan, um, definitely are gone. Are going to be gone. Harvey Pinard, Evans, I think are going to be kind of bubble players. Gallagher, well, see, here's the thing. I love Gallagher, uh, but this team needs somebody to step over top of him, and you don't put six and a half million dollars on your fourth line. So either he gets injured again and he decides to just play out the LTIR like Price, or they find someone to take him on so he has a chance to win somewhere else. You could buy a mode as well. I mean, it's going to cost yep. you two and a half million dollars for the for the next six years. But uh, if the salary cap's going to keep increasing, that two and a half is not going to look all that bad, especially with Edmonton. Still two and a half. I know. I'm just I'm just throwing it, and I don't see Montreal really buying him out. Um, I just don't know who's going to take the contract. If he can get twenty goals this year, it might be easier for him to be moved. As a team if that's he, actually contending and they're willing to give yeah. their they want to move some dead weight off their their roster and bring a guy like that in for say their third line, sure. Yeah. But like I say, he has to show he can score 20 goals. Yeah. Because if he can't to it. If he can't, then I mean, in retrospect, I know why Gallagher was paid the six and a half million. He earned it. However, however, the season before he got the six and a half million. He didn't have a very good season. Um, Bergevin loved him. He actually cried at the press conference <laughs> he when he announced he it. Um, and he got the money for Hart. At the time, no one really argued it because he was dealing with injuries, but he was a multiple 30-goal scorer. Um, however, in hindsight, it was a disaster of a contract disaster of a contract i think it's really the last uh messy contract to deal with because they waived armia which mm. i thought was uh, a, a fairly bold move considering the cap implica- implications of it like he clearly mm. didn't earn a spot and they they telegraphed to the whole team hey if you don't play well you don't stay we don't care who you are but that that's a lot of money to be sitting there dead on the cap. Well, with him and Laval, you'd save one point one five million of that three and a half. So and that's still over but two million. It's still over two million. Uh, what's he got? Two years left, Armia. No, this year and next. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. They may be. He may say, "Screw you guys! I'm not going to Laval," and maybe they can buh, uh, terminate his contract somehow. I don't know how that works. I'm not, have to be a uh, mutual. It'd have to be mutual between the two parties. Mutual, and maybe yeah. he goes to Europe or something. Yeah, I don't. He would know. have to be put on. I, I, I think I don't know if he would have to go on waivers again for like a termination, right? Yeah. yeah. But he would still have to pass through for contract termination, and everything like that. That might be the best thing for team and player, but at the same time, I can't see him walking away from that kind of money. As chances are, he's never going to see that kind of money again. Zadina did it. Zadina yeah. did do it. Yeah. Yeah. So that it's a possibility, but there's also a possibility that there could be a trade in the works where another team has waived a, a heavy contract 
that'll clear yeah. and then they can yeah. just swap Zadina, it to Zadina also took like a show me contract. He didn't he's not making he over did. three million dollars, right? No. So chances but he, threw, of... he he chose to to forego the money yeah. and go for the show me. Yeah. yeah. Um I mean Armia didn't even look like he cared in the preseason. The, the only thing the only thing that's good about him going <laughs> there sluggish. is they've got so many young players and so many players that don't have that veteran clause on their contract. They don't need to worry about sitting a veteran, sitting a veteran all the time because other than guys like Gabriel Bork and Armia and uh, Philip Maillet and there's a couple other ones, they don't have to sit there. Right? So. Pocket be so. He's another yeah, one. And, and uh, Leah Sanderson. They don't have to sit there. Yeah. So everyone can just play and they don't have to worry about uh, this guy's out of the lineup, this guy's in the lineup, et cetera. Well, I mean, Jeff Hood said it when uh, Armia cleared. He said he was going to give him a couple of days to to kind of cool off because you've been in the NHL for as long as he had. Getting waived, I'm sure, was not a good experience. Of course not. So, you know, let him cool off for a bit, then have a discussion. This could be positive. He goes down there. He shows that he can be a leader. He shows that he can play the way he did before. Uh, and somebody gets some interest in him and they can move him. Or, you know, he just plays out his contract in the minors. Or they they decide to terminate or whatever. But I hope if he, he takes... goes down there with the right attitude, I think it'll work out better for him in the long run. I, I hope he does it like Alsner did. Alsner kind of went there with the right attitude, and he and he took it yeah. by the horns, and he and he became a leader on the team. Um, and then Montreal eventually bought him out. Um, yeah, but uh, I don't know. No one's really said whether how Armia took it. Technically, he's still on the roster. Uh, he only has one more season left after this one, so they could buy him out next season. But then you're paying what one point. Seven million per year for the next two years, yeah. um, like or hopefully it just stays in Laval for two years, or someone like you said, someone picks up his three point four for one year next year, and off he goes. But uh, uh, I don't know if we want to get into that. But technically, Joel and me is still on the NHL roster. Technically, 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 <clears throat> until tomorrow, anyway. Until tomorrow, yeah when they're going to want to start doing the paper moves. Cause right now, Jack guy's not on the roster. Correct. But I can't see, I can't see him not being on the roster in Toronto for opening night. I just, I, I see him there. Well, okay. If you go, if you really look at the reasoning for all this, it has to do with Dvorak's LTI long-term yes. injury reserve. So Dvorak technically went on LTIR in the off season which means you have to get as close to his total value as possible or you lose out on money. So Joe Armia was waived. He went through waivers. That means he can either play for Montreal or Laval without having to go through waivers again. I think it's for 10 games in 30 10 days. days. 10 games yeah. or 30 days. So Jack I, who's waiver exempt, he can go up and down as many times as you want. He had the yeah. lowest value. Armia had a high value. He had a lower value than, say, Barron and Harris and all the other Gooley and all the other waiver eligible guys. Uh, so you put him down, you keep everyone up, 
you keep that money closest to the 4.4. I believe they lost out. If, uh, what's his face on Twitter? What's his name? Uh, something Sackick, Montreal, whatever. The capologist guy that's on there all the time. I refer to him. Sorry, man, I forget your name if you listen to the show. I forget your, I forget your handle. But he said they only really lost out on $400,000 by doing it that way. According to Cap Friendly right now, Kerry Price has been put on LTIR, but he's put on in-season LTIR, which means yeah. they can yeah. they can accumulate now that he's there. So if I have this right, last year they had issues bringing people up and putting them down because they didn't have enough money because Price went on pre-season LTIR uh, and they couldn't accumulate. They didn't have much money for bonuses and all this other stuff that they would have to pay for them to have to have for them coming up and down available. Uh, so that's why a lot of them were emergency call-ups or whatever that is. This year, now they have pretty much $10.5 million that they can, all right, so now they don't really have to have to worry about playing with that. And it looks like Chris Weidman could be another guy that could go on uh, uh, LTI when Christian Dvorak comes back. I believe they technically could have waited until Devora came back to put Price on because I think they were cap compliant even with Price on injured reserve. But true, uh, but then they wouldn't be able to uh, accumulate as much. I don't know. I don't know how it works. So that yeah. that's yeah. So, uh, but I mean, they're uh, not if, they're not experts in the cap like Tampa Bay was, where they were two dollars off. Two dollars. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, and this way they don't get any – next year they won't have any uh, penalties when they uh, start the season. No, because those uh, those carryover penalties for bonuses and whatnot will be paid out this year. Correct. So that's how so, – that's why our, our Mia's up, Jack Eye's down. Don't be shocked. I know you're all big Armia fans and you want them on the team uh, killing those penalties and playing like uh, Kucherov every 13 13- – Point seven games um, of the 25 games he plays. Um, Armia will be in Laval and I, Jack, I will be in the Montreal's roster tomorrow yeah. night. Now, another a contentious point with the roster that happened over the last couple of days was the Norlander Baron competition. So I'm going to say it, I'll say it here. Yes, Norlander did play better than Barron did. But it wasn't a competition between Norlander and Barron. It never really was. This was a competition for Norlander to try and supplant one of the many left-handed defensemen against uh, ahead of him. And he just couldn't do it. Whereas Barron, still third-best right-handed defenseman they got right now. Yeah. I thought Mayu played better than Barron, but that's just me. Oh, yeah, I I thought he did, but I will admit I'd rather Mayu and Laval to get his games up and get his his work on his defense before I throw him to the Wolves in Montreal. Uh, although I do believe Mayu will be in Montreal at some point this year, uh, I'm just hoping it's not till after Christmas, at least. But uh, that means the team's yeah. healthy. That's right. That means the team's. But yeah, I agree. I'm, I wasn't a big fan of Justin Barron in the offseason. We've talked about this before. He's a bit of a slow starter. Um, however, you're absolutely right. Uh, 
unless Norlander could play the right side, he wasn't winning a spot. Um, now Harris can play on the right side, but even if Harris plays on the right side, you've got Jack Eye, uh, Gooley, and Matheson. And no one, Gooley and Matheson are set in stone. Nobody yeah. was pushing them out. Uh, Jack Eye, I think, was pretty set. I think Jack Eye is pretty set in stone, too, even though he was put on, on, on paper wise. He paper was put move. on waivers. Yeah. Uh, and I think the reason saying that is uh, he was quarterback in the power play on the second unit the whole preseason. And well, when you're ripping wrist shots through the net, yeah, you're going to stay on the uh, on right? a power play. And I'm telling you, I was impressed with his offensive skill this preseason for Jack. Yeah, he looked I a little bit he, better there. He looked better. He's skating better. He has that good shot. He doesn't hit it in the shin pads like Petrie used to do all the time. And, uh, you know. Mind you, I think Norlander, I thought Norlander had a great preseason. He did. And if Matheson or Gooley or Harris go down, he's going to be the first call-up. And you'll see him get regular minutes in the lineup. So, And good yeah. for him because yeah, and I, I'll be be—I'll be honest, I had him written off. I, I thought he'd be playing in Europe all year, to be honest with you. So Me too. But the fact that he's stepped up, he's looking a lot better. He's looking more confident the confidence is the big difference for him. Yeah. So he's, he's making plays, he's taking chances. They pay off more often than they don't. But the fact that he's making those, those attempts, that's what he was missing. Uh, so he goes down to Laval, he plays well, he gets a call up, he plays well, maybe another team looking for a young defenseman. They'll try and snap him up. Like he's, he's not playing for the Canadians per se. He's playing to earn that next contract. Cause I don't see him cracking this roster at any point as a regular. I, I go, I think you're going to see one of your favorite left-handed defensemen moved at some point for a, and a big deal. That's going to get them a high offensive forward because if you break it down, Either Matheson got to go in the next couple of years, which I think is possible. Gooley's there for life or until he, whatever. So you got to look at Harris. You got to look at Struble. You got to look at Norlander. You got to look at all these. Jack Eye's there. And I'll tell you why Jack Eye's there is because he is your prototypical uh, bottom three or uh, bottom pairing defenseman who can step up and play higher if he needs to be uh whereas you got a guy like harris or baron if they're top four defensemen you don't want to bury them on that on that bottom pair so they're going to be coming up because when lane hudson comes in reinbacher uh, mayu and i mean i i I love the fact that we're talking about this because under bergevin you could name three defensemen that you think are going to play in your top four for the future (laughs) Think about it. You're like, I don't know, Nathan Bullio. Uh <laughs> Like, and now we're talking, we're going to have to get rid of some of these guys because you have way too many potential top four defensemen. And then we and have you... someone that we haven't even seen in Hudson, who's going to be jumping up into the mold at some point. We yeah. never, we, we haven't been able to see him because of the, his uh, NCAA eligibility, right? So, yeah. And, and that's why He's I think Matheson, he is. I mean, now, Grant McKegg said he had 263 puck touches, and I'm starting to figure that math out. And somebody questioned it. And I, I kind of went, you know what? 
people count that, so I don't see it being wrong. Um, but when the guy plays 31 friggin' minutes, yeah, and he everything goes through had, him, everything and he had the him. and he had the puck yeah. on a stick for an average of four minutes in the game, puck on a stick for four minutes that's a long yeah. friggin' time to have the puck on your stick in a, in a hockey game. So, yeah, yeah I can see 263 touches. And for our listeners, uh, having actual puck control for more than a minute and a half in a full game is a lot. Like superstars yeah. in the NHL, game breakers, they'll have it for almost a minute or just over a minute in a game. That's where the puck is actually on the stick. That's a lot. So four minutes is almost unheard of. Yeah. 263 puck touches is almost unheard of. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so your best trade bait is Matheson, Jordan Harris. On, someone like two or three players on that left side got to go. Yeah, yeah. And not there this year, be. but but within the next couple of years. Exactly. So, yeah. it, which brings me back to Norlander. I just can't see him pushing his way past any of them, and by the time it's time to move any of them. There'll be other people like Hudson coming up and there you go. It's replaced and he's gone anyway. So he's really just playing to prove that he can be an NHLer at this point. You, you uh, also will use that. You also get William Trudeau who's starting to play very, very well for Montreal. That's correct. Um, yeah. But the all he can hope for Matthias Norlander now is that he plays well enough that you can sit there and go, look at this guy. He could be in your top four. He's not going to fit into our top four, but he can be in your top four. We want at least a second round pick for him, or we want, we're going to throw him and this guy and this guy. We want that guy. Right. Don't, don't forget. There's still Adam Engstrom in the, in the weeds as well. Yeah. That's another left-handed defenseman who looks like he's going to be an NHL player. Who's that Russian guy who's tearing it up in the KHL. Is he left or right? He's a right. I think he's uh, a right. Is he a right? Yeah. So, I mean, right. I mean, I know people are pissed off with the drafting because of Reinbacher or that. But if you take a step back and look, Kent Hughes is drafting from the backside out. He's drafting a specific type of player. Correct. He has his, now he has his defense. He thinks he has his goaltending and Fowler and uh, Dobish. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, we'll see how Fowler does this year with Boston uh, College, although he played very excellent in his first game. Stole the win um, in his first yeah. game. Yeah, Stole the win from the national champions. Um, yeah. So you really, if you look at it that way, and he made a good point, it's easier to sign or trade for a high-scoring winger than it is for a top-two defenseman. And... So that's what they did. They drafted. They hopefully have their goalies of the future. They have their deep. The defense is there. It's there. Our defense we're going to have when we're contending is there. It just needs to be uh, caught up to speed with the NHL. Now they're going to go out and try to try to build their offense around Suzuki and Caulfield. And hopefully Slavkowski. But now, if they draft a defenseman in this draft and they have a chance to get one of the big three, then I'm I'm done. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. 
Well, that that brings me to a question: What is a, a successful season? Is it um, the Canadians fighting for a playoff spot? Is it the youth taking a step forward and bringing the the, the rebuild to the next step and picking, say, around ten to fifteen? Or is it the whole team sucks ass and you get to pick in the top three? Like, what what's what's success? To me, it's the I think it's the the young guys taking that step forward. I think they are going to pick 10 to 15. I really do. Unless there's a shit ton of injuries like last year or Montembeau and Allen really shit the bed, which is possible because they weren't that great in the preseason. Um, but to me, it's just seeing the young guys take that step forward, seeing uh, uh, Slavkowski maybe hit 15 goals, maybe 40 points. Um Caulfield playing around with that 50 goal marker. Suzuki hitting maybe 80 points. Uh, Doc doing his thing and maybe him getting 70. You know what I mean? That's what I want to see. I don't care where we really finish. I'm not expecting a playoffs. I'm not expecting a whatever. If they can do all that and we can still get a top five pick, then it's a win-win. Right. Um, I like to see the defense take that step forward, like Caden Gooley and Harris and Barron and uh, 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 Jacki look better, play better defense, play better offensively. So if all these guys are going to improve and everything's going to move up, how can you not be, you know, I see the Canadians getting around 80 points this year, wherever that puts them. I don't know, but that's where I see them getting about 80 points. Yeah, I see them around 85-ish points. So it's we're looking at like 15 to 20-point jump, but that doesn't mean they're going to climb up the standings very much, if at all. Like to, They still, to me, are one of, one of the bottom two teams, if not the bottom team, in the Atlantic. Detroit, I, depends on Detroit. Depends on how well Detroit plays this year. Exactly. <laughs> so... Matt, you're quiet. Matt, what you about get, you? You got you to get in here. You haven't really said much. I'm thinking um, the, for the youth to grow, as Treg said, however, doing it in a winning way, in a winning culture, is going to do is going to do so much more for them and for their confidence as opposed to saying like, okay, Cole Caulfield broke 40 goals, but they were one of the worst teams in the league, right? Like individual stats, I don't believe are uh, the way to go here. And I don't believe that you look at anyone on this roster and say that they're there for themselves. Um, I think it'll go a lot further if we see that sort of development with a team that gets out of the gate early and, uh, and, and throws some wins up there and they might not make the playoffs, but having that competitiveness and being able to take that next step and being able to have some close games against some of these better teams, especially within their own division, I think is going to show a lot of growth. My main concern is their special teams because that really can make or break how many, how many points throughout the season. Uh, we know that they have the weapons to use a guy like Caulfield with a bomb of a shot um, on the power play. It's just you when he's going like, to, it's setting up and, and it actually making the power play work. And then the same thing with the penalty kill, right? It's, it's, uh, 
it's it's a lot of who knows at this point and, and i think that's really one of their weak it's 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 their weakest um it's the weakest thing about this team right now and if we go through another season of 25 or below on the power play in pk then somebody somebody behind the bench has to go let's just say that well, now they are Mar- talking Martin about Sa- uh taking that next step with power play they're going to actually work Lu- on it now. Art and St. Louis did say on the anti-chamber that last year they didn't really work on their special teams. They just worked on yeah. five on five because they really didn't care. They said, we're not really, we didn't plan on really going anywhere. We weren't worried about the five on five. We knew our defense was young. I think this was anti-chamber. I think that's what St. Louis yeah. said this on. He said, so this year they're really going to look at their special teams and work on it. And he said he makes the decisions just as much as Alec Burroughs does on who plays in the power play and how the power play goes. So, and I love, this is what I like about Martin St. Louis. See, he goes, so I'm just as accountable for whether it fails or not as Andrew Burnett is. So I don't know if that's him protecting Andrew Burnett, which I think it is, or if it's him just saying, Hey, you can shit on our special teams all you want, but there's a reason they were so shitty. It's because yeah. we didn't give a shit. Because we really didn't give a shit about them last year. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm thinking and, a healthy, a healthy Mike Matheson and having Caulfield mm-hmm. back, I think, is going to do wonders. And the, the, something that stood out for me during the preseason was Nick Suzuki winning faceoffs. Yeah, right. And not just a little. Yeah, and not having, like not like having less... to, not having to rely as much on bringing a guy in like Monahan to win these draws is going to do wonders for them. It, it's it's nice to have Monahan out there. I think that he provides that great second, that great second option. And for a power play guy, he's not that bad either because he can play at the center of the wing. However, um, puck, puck possession matters at the end of the day. And if Suzuki, you know, Suzuki's their best, uh, is their best center. I'd like to see him take that next step. And so far during the preseason, he was a standout for them. And I think he put up seven points in the preseason and um, you keep him healthy, you keep Caulfield healthy, you keep Matheson healthy, and be able to possess the puck on the power play and come up with some sort of system, I say Caulfield's at least a 40-goal score, if not 50. So Suzuki was winning over 60% of the draws in the preseason, which is about 10% or 12% higher than his regular average. So either even, even if he can be everybody above, sucked or if, he, yeah, yeah, if he can be a 53 to 55 guy, like, you know, it's, that would be impressive. It's a big jump. Now, if we can get doc to do the same thing. Yes. And I, we're, then we're, we're starting to make those uh, advancements. Right. Now, now for me, the, uh, the, a successful season is now, how are you performing in the games? How are you winning and losing the games? Last year, it was just about let's put on a good show and maybe we'll be competitive. This year, I want to see team. I want to see teams have to work their asses off to beat the Canadians. The Canadians have to show that they're a tough out. Now they may lose more games than they likely will lose more games than they win, but they have to make it hard on the other teams to show that they can, they can compete in every single game. They can steal some wins, and sometimes it takes a lucky bounce to have them, uh, to beat them. 
So if they can do that over the the length of the season, to me that's that'll be a successful season. Yep. They're not going to make the playoffs, in my opinion. Like Treg, I believe they're going to be around ten to fifteen in the in the draft, and that's fine. Now they're they're the second youngest team in the NHL as of right now. That's that's quite a bit, and they're expected to play a little bit better than they did last year when they were older. Caden Gooley thinks they're an underdog and they've got that kind of mentality. So we might see a team come out of the gate really, really badly. Like last year, they were about 500 up until mid-November when the wheels fell off with injuries. That's that's when Maybe the bus accident get... happened and everyone got hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But this year, if, if you don't have everybody getting hurt at once, we might see a team that's actually, you know, within – a few points of a playoff spot throughout the year. It's like just out of their reach, like just out of their reach, but they it's there. Yeah. So, and here's the issue you're going to have on Twitter. And here's the issue because oh God. You, you still have the tank commanders. You still have the guys who are like, Oh, well we can get uh Celebrini or Iserman Celebrini or, Demidov or, or Demidov and all this yeah. stuff. Oh, we're wasting another Shiny. draft because, because we're going to be Shiny. drafting, but uh, Zach Benson dropped a 13. And he just made, yeah. Last he, year. Yeah, and he made the roster. Uh, Cole Caulfield dropped a 15 when he was drafted by Montreal. Um, yeah, they're not going to get one of the top three. And you know what? If injuries happen like they did last year, maybe they do get one of the top three. This is all injury dependent. Now yeah. that we have a new doctor, because the guy that was around since 1922 is retired, uh, and with the new trainers, which we all know is going to make the huge difference. The new trainers, because they're the ones that kept them in the on the ice. Oh, they're fine. They're good. They're good. It's just a bruise. Here's a little Robitussin, and you'll be all right. Um, so if they can stay healthy, last year I think they were five goals away from averaging three goals a game. That's Cole Caulfield by himself. Really, if you think yeah. about it, their issue last year wasn't scoring; it was keeping the puck out of the net. That that was their issue really last year. I think, in my opinion. Well, they were 26th in the NHL in goals, which, you know, it's, that's not good. It's but not good. They, but... uh, they were they were worse on defense by far. Yes. Uh, I think they were 28 or 29 on defense, I think. 29. Something like that. Yeah. 29. Uh, well, now, a health, if everyone a healthy improves. year would improve that. But if everyone improves, like we, we hope they improve, if their special teams improve, how can they not? How can they not? The only thing that's going to keep them from moving up is the fact that other teams improved. That's yeah. it. So what's if they get 80 points and they finish in the bottom five, I'm still kind of happy because I'm like, well, they did everything they could do. Right? Like they better. can't help it. They can't help it if Philadelphia and Anaheim and Chicago all got better too. Right? So uh they can only really do that um my only concern with that is you uh it's like what matt said the winning culture so yeah we're winning but we're we're not getting anywhere it's like spinning your tires and not moving um but i don't think anyone on that team expects them to make the playoffs or go anywhere so i think they're gonna put in the effort well i mean we all play sports no one sits there and goes oh well we suck let's just go everyone goes you know what let's just play our ass off you never know what's going to happen which is true which is true yeah but uh 
I don't like, see if, a playoff. If the Canadians do end up, uh, say, between 10 and 15, and they end up with a Maxim Massé, uh, the goal-scoring right winger out of the QMJHL, so you, you got yourself another goal scorer. You got uh, a local kid and a kid with size. So everybody should be happy, right? Right? No, because it wasn't the top three. It wasn't Mitch Goff. Oh, Demidov. Demidov. <laughs> it wasn't Mitch Goff. He's a point per game player in the KHL. He's amazing. It wasn't, uh, who, who was it? Uh, Nigel Dawes. He was an over a point per game player there too. I, I bring that up all the time. Chris Wyman was the top yeah. defenseman in the KHL before he came to Montreal. So, like, I get what everyone's saying. Oh, the K- I don't think the KHL, in my opinion, is, like, a top league. I think the SHL, the AHL are better leagues than the KHL. I honestly do. I think that's, the Swiss that's league is opinion. better than the KHL. I don't, I don't know about that, but because uh, if you can get a guy like Nigel Dodds, who uh, admittedly is a very good AHL player, very good, but can't play in the NHL. Now, Mitchkov has enough skill, he will be successful in the NHL. Is he going to be a 100-point guy with 70 goals and all this bullshit? At 5'8", and an average skater in the NHL? I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. Not a top, if you're if you're not an excellent skater at that size, you can't. Uh, you're not going to be a top line player. And, and and that that's what I'm saying. And I mean, everyone looks at him dangling and doing all this stuff in the KHL, but the KHL does not have NHL caliber players. I'm sorry, but they don't. Um, I think he's going to be a good maybe 60, 70 point guy, maybe a thirty goal scorer, 30 goal. maybe. Yep. Uh, I, I mostly power yeah, play, I, I think for sure power play. And I mean, he has the offensive talent. He has yep. the deeks. He has the shot. Uh, I'm not taking away from him, but I don't think he's this. I don't just don't, th- I don't see him as this elite player in the NHL. I just don't see it. And it's basically due to his size and the fact that he's not that great of a skater for his size. And I, I go back to the fact that he's a, an undersized winger who can maybe score goals. Well, this year, uh, according to Daily Faceoff, the prediction is Cole Caulfield, a five foot seven undersized winger, is looking to be a fifty goal scorer. That's his prediction. So, but Cole Caulfield need is a another. <laughs> yeah, do you need another undersized winger, or? Did you need that, you know, like, I know you're supposed to BPA, but how many small players can you really have on a roster and be competitive? Well, depends. Is BPA the best player available or is BPA the best player available of what you want to draft? Montreal went in wanting to draft a defenseman. End of conversation. Judging by the video, they they debated fairly heavily on this. They did, and they they, they had did. too many question marks on Mitchkov. And I, before anyone gets anything, you guys watched the thirty second clip and made up your minds that everyone unanimously just sat down at the table and said, "It's Reimacher." <laughs> I, I really don't think that's how it went. I really think they kind of went back and forth on a lot of players, and then they went, "Well, you know what, boys." 
This is our plan. This is the way we want to do it. Who's our guy? Personally, I want it Ryan Leonard. That's who I wanted them to draft. Yeah, in my too. personal opinion, I think he's going to turn out to be like a Tag Thompson type player. And that's who I wanted. Now, now, everyone's going on about Zach Benson, another small forward. But guess what? Zach Benson's a hell of a goddamn skater. So he can get away by being that small. And that's the difference between him and Mitchkoff. And I think that's another reason Mitchkoff fell to Philadelphia and didn't get drafted by, say, um, who took Similac? Who took uh, the defenseman there after Montreal? Uh, Arizona. Arizona. So, so hate me all you want for not being a Mitchkov lover. I don't think he's going to be an elite player. I think he could be a top six player on a team. I think he's going to be a 30 goal scorer in the NHL. I think he could get 60, 70 points, maybe as high as 80. But I don't think he's going to be an elite player in the NHL. Now, to finish off the show, the last question I'm going to ask you guys, I'm going to start with Matt. Call-ups. Who is your first call-up for a forward and a defenseman? I'd say Emil Heineman for forward. I think that uh, he just he just played uh, he just played too well, and I and I think that he brings things to the team that uh, you know even on a bottom you know bottom six role that some of these guys other guys don't bring. I just think that he's got that he's got that shot, and when he utilizes it, and can actually hit the net. I think it's uh, it, it, it's it's very good. He's 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 decent defensively, and he plays the body, which is something that uh, is always important. Uh, for a defenseman, let me take a look really quick. I want to say I, I want to just jump in and say Logan Mayu, but I, I I'm not 100 sure there. Uh, there might be someone that uh, might deserve it a little bit more. Um, but that's who I'm going to go with for now. I'll go with uh, I'll go with uh, I'll go with Mayu. It, but if they're just looking to fill a hole, if they're looking to just fill a hole because there's an injury. Just call up Gustav uh, Gustav Lidstrom. That's that's what they brought him in for. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Treg? Hide him in for sure, the forward side. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to go with Lindstrom just for the simple fact that if they call a guy up, especially with uh, Barron probably being the seventh defenseman right now, um, it's going to be Lindstrom just so they have a guy to sit in the press box and throw in whenever they, whenever they need him. Um, now, late in the season, we're talking after Christmas. I'm going to go with Joshua Wall and Logan Mayu. That's who I yeah, think will be their yeah. call-ups. If they're playing really well down there, they're going to get yep. their uh, they're going to get the reward. You know, the carrot. They're dangling yep. that carrot. They'll get a couple NHL games, and then they'll go back down because Laval is expected to really compete for the the championship this year. They've made the playoffs the last couple of years, and now they've got all this depth, all kinds of young players coming up solid veterans so a lot is expected out of them which makes sense your your minor league team should get really good before the nhl team does you want them to compete for a championship so that they learn how to play together and compete for that when they move up uh for me uh i agree with you guys on forward i think it's heineman i think he earned his spot but because of the fact that he's waiver exempt and yolonen wasn't they kept yolonen uh, and and Heineman, despite having a great camp, he could u- could use a little bit more seasoning for North American game because we saw we saw him incorporate the physicality 
in the preseason, whereas last season at the end of the year, he really didn't have that. So if he has a little bit more time to let that simmer, I think he'll be, uh, once he gets his call up, I don't think he's going back. Who, Heineman? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I agree. I think he's going to be the RHP of uh, last year. Yeah. Maybe not Maybe not be as successful at the NHL level, but once he's called up, he stays, especially yeah. after the trade deadline when you see people yeah. move in and out. So. Yeah, especially someone like Pearson, who's going to be moved at the deadline yeah. for whatever Monahan. they get. And Pearson plays a game that Heineman will be playing. You know, he's a big, uh, although this is Pearson in his youth, <laughs> not now. Yeah. Big, fast, can shoot. Hit and take the body. That's Heineman. So that that makes sense there. On defense, I'm going to go with uh, Trudeau. I thought he had another really good camp. Um, he's a steady, steady defenseman whose offense is a little bit under underappreciated because the guy can really move the puck well, especially on that first pass out of the zone. So I can see him getting the first call up on D. I I like that pick too. I thought Trudeau was was on my mind for that. I just uh, I just see I agree with Matt. I just see Lindstrom just because he's the guy that they can just throw out there when they want them and keep them in the press box when they don't need them. And they're not really, they don't really care about what happens to them really. Which is uh, why I'm kind of shocked. He was put down to begin with and not Baron just because of the waivers and the fact that he is a guy that can sit in the press box. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So final thoughts, uh, Treg, your final thoughts. Uh, I just want to tell everyone, uh, Susie had her surgery. Uh, the stuff was taken off her. Everything's good. There's no cancer. There's no anything that on her. Uh, she gets her stitches out on Thursday, and she's back to being an asshole. So everything's uh, <laughs> everything's pretty good. Back to normal. Everything's pretty good. Uh, she's actually right there. There's Susie. She's taking Maps. a break she's... from being an asshole. Uh that or she's planning her next asshole asshole thing to do and it's really cute because she has a cone that we usually have on her so she doesn't lick her paws and she tries to you know be an asshole and i just hold her cone like this and say oh you can't do anything but anyway that's the way it is. and that, that's all i really guess it. that's it no joke matt what no about joke. you good <laughs> Damn, I had a joke. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it was not appropriate, though. Um, uh, nothing new with me. Just been working lots and finally got a little bit of downtime. Looking forward to the season starting and, you know, pucks and deep, all that shit, right? So <laughs> that's about all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, so for me, um, I'm on the Montreal now. We're we're super busy. We're We're doing what's called a tiered readiness program, which is supposed to take 18 months, but we've condensed that into six so that we could be ready for a deployment in less than six months. So, um, yeah, we're doing a lot of things all at once. So it's taking up a lot of my time, uh, considering I've got to run a department. So, you know, I'm going to be in and out. We might miss a few shows here and there, but we're not disappearing. Um, and finally, if you're looking to buy some Pride Tape, go check out pridetape.com. Uh, let's see. Yeah, pride tape, pridetape.com. If you want to put some pride tape on your sticks or your baseball bats or cross sticks, whatever, 
go there. Uh, you know, because the NHL might be a bunch of wusses, but uh, I'm not afraid of a rainbow. I just think, I just keep show. I just keep thinking of the Care Bears. I don't know why. <laughs> and the rainbow stare. <laughs> I don't scary. Know why. So scary. <laughs> It, it would be, you know, honestly, it would be kind of scary if it was a uh, a Care Bear stare, but with cocaine bears. <laughs> Great movie, by the way. If you haven't seen it, go watch that movie. It's no. a good movie. It actually yeah. is pretty good. But also, I gotta. Uh, I just want to say, my TikTok now. I'm doing uh, uh, sort of the uh, my journey here in bodybuilding, and that if anyone wants to go over it, I'm also giving advice on stuff about like vitamins not to take and. All that kind of stuff. So, for ladies, it's not safe for work. It is. I have a shirt on on almost every video. So, almost so there. So there. So there. All right. So I, I just want to thank everybody for for their patience. Uh, thank you for tuning in. We really appreciated all the 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 messages and the emails while we were on our hiatus because of work. Um, there was some concern that we were disappeared. We were maybe kidnapped by a, a Toronto Maple Leaf show or something. No, that's not true. We're fine. We're alive. We're safe. So um, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. You looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man podcast. Join me, host Mike C, as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain App, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.